0: getting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. If you're listening to this month's episode as it's released, you'll know that Hispanic Heritage Month, which runs annually from September 15th to October 15th, just wrapped up. But in true Claritas fashion, we're keeping the celebration going because we don't forget about consumer groups just because their cultural heritage month is over. Assuming some of you listening have followed along with some of the thought leadership we've released this year, you'll know that our Hispanic market report came out a few weeks ago. And to help me put into perspective what the data in this whopping 34-page report means for marketers like you, I've invited back Ron Cohen, Claritas SVP of Practice Leadership. Later in the episode, we'll hear from Liz Castells-Hurd, CEO of Infusion, a full-service multicultural marketing agency that works with Fortune 500 clients across a multitude of industries. But first, let's bring in Ron Cohen to answer some of your biggest Hispanic market questions. Ron, welcome back.
1: Hi, Monique. Always a pleasure to be with you here on the Marketing Insider.
0: Likewise. So you have been on the podcast many, many times at this point, but since your last episode, we've picked up some new followers. So for anyone unfamiliar with your voice, can you give us a quick rundown of what you do here at Claritas?
1: Probably not quick, but (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of things. I create a lot of the thought leadership pieces in the multicultural space, which is what we're here to talk about today.
0: And let's jump right into these questions. So we have released our aforementioned Hispanic market report, but this year is an especially important one because we have 2020 census data in hand, whereas last year we were limited in what we had. What's significant about the census data with regard to Hispanic audiences?
1: Well, earlier this year, the Census Bureau made its decennial undercount and overcount numbers available. And unlike in previous census years, where Hispanics were undercounted at about 1.5%, Uh, This time, Hispanics were undercounted at a rate of 5%.
0: Now,
1: that's three plus million Hispanics they didn't count. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, they overcounted the non-Hispanic white population by 1.6 plus percent, which was about double uh, what it had been in previous census releases. So the combined effects of that have been incorporated into our data for the first time. And we're publishing our 2023-2028 series that reflect those undercounts and, uh, and and overcounts, the corrections that were made by our demographers and data scientists, and they tell a pretty significant story. For example, I mentioned uh, three plus million more Hispanics than were in the census numbers, mm-hmm. plus we've had three actual years of growth since the census. Um, so we're, we're estimating now a Hispanic population in the U.S. of around 66 and a half million. Now that's millions more than our previous estimate, and it's the largest jump we've ever made in yes. in a year. Also the uh undercounts and overcounts were not evenly distributed, you know, uh, uh around the country. So for example, states like Florida and Texas and Illinois that have a lot of Hispanics were the among the most undercounted and states like Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Minnesota Where there's not a lot of Hispanics, but there are a lot of non-Hispanic whites, were among the most overcounted.
0: Okay.
1: So it's not evenly distributed. um, The effects of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we'll make sure to link that uh, document from the census, just so anybody who wants to take a kind of closer look at it, they they can uh, view that. So something we talk about throughout the report is that multicultural audiences represent one hundred percent. Of the growth in this country and hispanics account for the majority of that can you explain i know you kind of touched on it with your first answer but can you explain what that means a little more and why that would be an important thing for a marketer to know
1: yeah with the with the restated numbers i think that it's pretty clear we've reached an inflection point demographically now where all the growth all of the growth is coming from multicultural population mostly hispanics um And not only is the non-Hispanic white population not growing, it's actually decreasing, and has been for several years now. In our report, we estimate that over the next five years, we'll see an average of around 4,000 more Hispanics added to the population daily, while the non-Hispanic white population will decrease by more than 3,000 per
0: day. And that kind of leads me into my next question here. So I was looking at the top DMAs by population versus growth in the report, and we have a few new ones that are taking center stage that weren't there last year. Can you tell us a little bit more about those emerging markets?
1: Well, Atlanta is not exactly an emerging market, but (laughs) uh, it has been growing rapidly since the 2010 census, 43%, um, which is what brought it into the top 20 market for Hispanics. Mm -hmm. Albuquerque, which is now ranked 21st, just didn't grow at the same pace as some of the other markets like El Paso, which is now ranked 20th. Although Albuquerque is a much larger market than El Paso overall, uh, the population in El Paso is now more than 82% Hispanic, Wow. whereas Albuquerque is only around 45% Hispanic. So it edged Albuquerque out of the top 20.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: El Paso is also one of the most multicultural markets in the country. Not just Hispanics, but, uh, but Asians and, and, and blacks and African-Americans. And about 88% of the population in El Paso is, is multicultural. In fact, the three most multicultural DMAs in the country are all in Texas.
2: Wow!
1: Laredo and, and Harlingen in the Rio Grande Valley are both over 95% multicultural. By the way, there are now 39 DMAs that are majority multicultural, including eight of the top 10 largest markets in the country.
0: Very cool to hear. So not quite emerging markets, like you said, in the traditional sense of things, but it is cool to hear how their demographics have shifted over time.
1: Absolutely. A lot of people talk about the coming multicultural majority, and I'm I'm here to tell you today that in all the markets that matter, in the age demographics that matter most, it has arrived.
0: Yeah. We need to start finding a way to kind of put that terminology in the past, I think. Yes. Yes all right so having had several interviews with various multicultural experts over the years including yourself one thing that everyone mentions is to not treat multicultural audiences like a monolith what are some important nuances to consider when marketing to hispanic consumers
1: well the most obvious is language preference of course i mean if your target audience prefers spanish then then by all means message them in spanish mm-hmm. otherwise it's generally okay to message in english but either way you'll want to be culturally relevant. This may mean taking country of origin into account due to variations in dialect and cultural traditions. But at the very least, it means thinking about what themes will resonate with your target
0: audience. All right, so you will correct me if I'm wrong on this, I'm sure, but the median household income in the US currently hovers somewhere around 65K annually. So when looking at annual household income for Hispanics, and listeners, please take a note that this is slightly different of a data point to median household income. Nearly 60% of US-based Hispanic households earn 50K or more. How might this knowledge factor in when considering the lifetime value of these households?
1: Well, okay, so overall household income, we're now projecting at just over 70,000 overall. That's the median number, right? The average is, of course, much higher. Mm -hmm. Um, And Hispanic median household income is around Mm 63,000. Non Hispanic is over 75,000. So they're both growing. Hispanic is actually growing at a faster rate. It's catching up, but it's still got a long way to go. I think, you know, Hispanic households are still overrepresented in the lower income bands below 75K, 58.5% versus 49.7 for non-Hispanics, and underrepresented in the higher income bands above 100,000. That's Mm -hmm. still 41, 41 41.5% versus um, just over 50% for non-Hispanics. So they still have a ways to go, but they they are catching up, but with higher growth rates in both income and population, it's clear that much of the growth in consumer spending will be coming from Hispanic households. With Hispanic households being younger on average than non-Hispanics and larger on average than non-Hispanics, it means that Hispanic households can be projected to outspend most non-Hispanic households over the next five to 20 years, really, in many categories of consumer goods over their remaining lifetimes.
0: And speaking of spending, a lot of people like to do that on mobile devices. So what are some of the technology behaviors of Hispanic households that might either be surprising to some marketers or be a hidden opportunity that they should take into consideration when planning out their advertising efforts?
1: So Hispanics are big time cord cutters. Only one in four Hispanic households has a landline telephone that may sound like A lot or a little, depending on your perspective, the U.S. average is about 37.5, so more than one in three households still have a landline, but only one in four Hispanic households do. 36.5% of Hispanic households have three or more mobile phones in the household, and they're 78% more likely to uh, have a mobile phone that's primarily used by a child. But nearly 30% of Hispanics have switched mobile providers in the last year. So they love their mobile devices, but they don't necessarily love their providers. Mm-hmm. Hispanics over-index for video streaming services compared to other groups. And two out of three Hispanics say they watch TV shows and or movies on their smartphones.
0: Some good stats there. And But since you're talking to me on a podcast, what can you share about their podcast listening?
1: Oh, Hispanics over-index for listening to podcasts of most all genres. But by overall percent... Um, Most Hispanics listen to music and comedy podcasts, so if you're an advertiser or trying to reach them, these genres might be a good place to start investing your advertising budget.
0: All right, switching to financial behaviors, we often hear about the underbanked and underinsured, which Hispanics as a group are. Can you tell us why this is significant?
1: Well, less acculturated Hispanics account for the majority of the underbanked in this cohort, right? Hispanics overindex for various credit products, but they aren't necessarily getting them directly from banks, auto loans and, and retail credit cards and what's not. Okay. So that that opens an opportunity up for banks and, and credit unions, for that matter, looking to increase their reach. So Hispanics that are with a financial institution, they are much more likely to switch, and they cite customer service most often as the reason for switching, not price, not location, but customer service.
0: What about insurance?
1: Hispanics are also underinsured. Right? less than thirty six percent of Hispanic households have I any life insurance coverage at all and and the reasons don't appear to be financial they they appear to be more cultural and, and psychographic
0: So what would you say might be an effective approach for marketers to take if they want to acquire more Hispanic policyholders?
1: For life insurance I would say I would promote the the product as a as an investment for retirement savings and and consider doing it through non-traditional channels and methods and be prepared to offer and advise. In Spanish.
0: Yep. I think those financial service stats are especially important since that industry can be reluctant to even hear the words race and ethnicity because they automatically think they'll be in violation of some of the rules and regulations that they have to be mindful of that other industries don't have as strict of laws around. So as a consequence of that, they're sometimes behind the curve. And you can clearly see that with uh, Hispanics being such a big underbanked and underinsured group.
1: Of course, and, and what we're trying to do is, is promote outreach and communication to them in a, in, a, in a way and in a language that they're more likely to respond to so that you right. can cater to that market rather exactly. than exclude it.
0: So I've got one more question for you, Ron. If you had to leave listeners with three takeaways from this conversation today, what would they be? That's tough, three.
1: Okay, so the inflection point, right, where now all the growth, not most of the growth, not much of the all the growth is coming from multicultural predominantly Hispanics, and that non-Hispanic whites are, are actually decreasing on a daily basis. So that's one. Um, two would be the, the, the point I made earlier about the multicultural majority. It shouldn't be seen as something that's coming. It should be understood as something that's here already. If you wait until 51% of the overall population uh, is, is multicultural, you'll have missed the boat. Like I said, most of the top markets are already multicultural. Uh, the u.s population under age 40 that's your millennials your gen z's and the latest alpha generation it's already around 60 percent multicultural and the alphas are still being born so that figure will only increase and i guess three is if if your company hasn't been paying attention to multicultural customers and prospects hispanics in particular it's well past time to start there's there's ample market research data available uh, or you can you know do your own research or start a dialogue with your Hispanic customers and prospects to learn more about what they want and what they expect from your brand. You, know, you, you may want to develop an ability to communicate and do business with them in Spanish if you've not already done so. It's not always necessary, but it might be depending on your product or service and your target markets. But either way, this segment represents tremendous growth opportunities for your brand. And, and the ones you may have been relying on, uh, do not.
0: <laughs> great tips. Great takeaways. Thank you again, Ron. Always a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Always a pleasure to be here, Monique. Thank you.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll be joined by Liz castells Heard from Infusion to hear their best practices and the journey they've taken to both successfully work with clients who want to reach Hispanic audiences and how they've actually engaged with those consumers in meaningful ways. Stay tuned. Hey there, marketers. You've heard me talk about the 2022 U.S. Hispanic Market Report from Claritas throughout this podcast, but here's a little bit more information about it. In this 34-page report, we cover population growth, cultural demographics, consumer spending, technology behaviors, banking behaviors, and insurance behaviors. Check the description box to find a link to download your copy today. Now, back to the episode. We're back from our commercial break, and I'm now joined by Liz castells hurd CEO of Infusion, a women and minority-owned advertising and marketing agency that has a particular expertise when it comes to multicultural audiences. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Welcome to the Marketing Insider Podcast.
2: Yes, very, very happy to be here.
0: So you are very well known in your industry, but just in case any of our listeners are unfamiliar with you or what Infusion does, can you give us a little bit of background?
2: Oh, sure. I'm Liz Castells-Hurd. I'm not just the CEO. I'm also the chief strategy officer. Okay. So I'm all about the numbers and insights and empowering my team with passion and direction to drive excellence. Two things that are important about what underlies the agency philosophies As a Stanford MBA, my vision was to create a multicultural agency focused on results and supporting a client's needs from A to Z with analytics, strategic thinking, and cultural fluency, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The other part is that as a woman and a Cuban immigrant, starting out in the quote unquote general market, I saw the importance of properly representing multiculturals as empowered multidimensional people because ads feed perception that turn into reality. I love that.
0: All right. So let me hop into these questions I have for you today. Cool. So first question, every year we do an episode during, or in our case this time, just after Hispanic Heritage Month, and it focuses on this market. But we know that celebrating multicultural audiences shouldn't be relegated to just their respective cultural heritage months. So how does Infusion challenge the clients it serves and the industry in general to move past that antiquated general market approach, especially considering multicultural consumers are the new American mainstream?
2: Educate, educate, And educate. Right. Our core clients are long-term multicultural best-in-class marketeers. They recognize the importance of the business imperative years ago, and that sustainable growth is difficult without effective multicultural marketing. So they have the right paradigm and skill set in place. However... Other, you know, smaller clients or projects that we take on and and most of the Fortune 500, that's a different story. There's still a wide gap between multicultural ad spend, which is under 10% versus the population at 42%. What we do is we give them the facts. The bottom line is multiculturals are the majority under 45, driven by the youngest, largest Hispanic segment. And they are really, most companies target sweet spot Today, and the core growth customer for their future, they're going to be half of the population by 2030. They're driving 100% of the growth, jobs, new household formations. They drive the social, pop culture, and business trends, and they decide which brands win. What I find really interesting is diversity increases with each generation, and These demo shifts that have occurred, it's not that they're happening now, they are already there. Right. That means that companies need to shift their spend, their thinking on product strategy, messaging, and media overall. I also give them the facts that there's a high opportunity cost, there's a plethora of research available. There's one that McKinsey did recently that shows that companies in the top 25% of multicultural marketing, investment, and commitment average over 30% in profitability versus the lower quartile. And also, companies that took a hiatus from Hispanic marketing during the total market myth era, they saw an average 9% loss in overall business, and sales. Wow. The other thing that we do is we provide tangible case studies and try to guide clients to do multicultural marketing correct. I stress that it has to be a top-down business marketing practice mm-hmm. where diverse segment considerations, Hispanic, African-American, Asian, etc are taken into account from inception. From metrics to strategy to resources, products, customer journey, and and obviously authentic marketing um, communications, and that will enhance a company's value and growth.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I often get asked, well, how do you how do you structure for this? And my answer is, while each client is different, what I've seen through the years is that the most successful companies have two things, a lead multicultural business unit in the organization, and they lead all the multicultural initiatives collaborating with the cross-functional teams. The other part is that they hire a skilled multicultural agency that can fill that much-needed cultural knowledge gap as part of the broader agency team.
0: That actually kind of leads me into my next question. So some of the clients that you have that I've seen on your your website, you've got McDonald's, you've got Toyota, you've got Spectrum, you've got a ton more. What are some of the things that you feel like they're doing right when reaching Hispanic audiences that others need to take note of? I'm guessing they've got a lead multicultural unit and they have hired you as an agency. So they're doing those two things right, which you mentioned earlier. But what else would you say?
2: couple of other things. They make sure that the multicultural business imperative, as well as DEI, is integrally a part of the fabric of their corporate culture. That is critical. And while DEI is different, right? that's housed in HR and community affairs, it's different than multicultural marketing and the business end of it, but it is interconnected. Because if you have a lack of a diverse workforce, you have a lack of diverse perspectives and a lack of inclusive thinking. And therefore that leads to a lack of multicultural effort. So mm-hmm. they, not only the multicultural business unit, but the importance of multicultural, Hispanic, African-American, Asian is really built into across all of the company departments. The other part of it is that they truly understand the importance of culture, how that affects the category needs, the brand perceptions, how they live, how they buy, how they make decisions. Culture trumps all the dimensions when it comes to identity, and how you live your life. Another thing is these companies that are successful, they will look at all of their departments and they will recalibrate. Sometimes it's just nuances that that need to be addressed, but there's right. other times where departments and the, you know, the cultural fluency and the customer journey and the digital has to be really recalibrated. And they get that. They are committed from the top down.
0: And I feel like, you know, even if you have a small budget or you're a small company, you could take examples from what they're doing and infuse it into what you're doing to be better marketers, more inclusive marketers.
2: Absolutely. But again, I caution that inclusivity does not mean a total market one-size-fits-all approach because that benefits no one. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times I've seen, and we've done research on what I call the diluted total market approach, and it doesn't serve any any segment. It doesn't necessarily do well because marketing is all about (laughs) personalization and addressing what does that target need Today, in today's environment, consumers expect personalization. They expect to have their unique needs met. Whatever your budget is, allocate it proportionately to what the impact is on your business from right. different target segments. It's basic marketing 101.
0: What type of research do you look for to help improve your clients' marketing efforts to Hispanic audiences? And what type of data do you wish you had more of or better access to?
2: Ah, that's a good one. Okay. So these days online, you can get access to so much information right. and intel. So we, we tend to cross to a plethora of research. My wish list is ability and ability to do better ethnic personas with deeper data, mm-hmm. sample sizes, and continuity of data. That's one of the reasons why I use Simmons. I love Simmons. At least I can go back and see trends through the years because they have a large enough sample size. Mm-hmm. And that's why Claritas is also really good. A lot of the other research uh, really doesn't, doesn't have the sufficient sample sizes to do category and sub-segment targeting, uh, deep dives, the frequency of reports, the motivators. And here I'll, I'll say something just because there's a cultural difference or a product difference doesn't mean that it's going to impact sales. So what you need to do is understand the knowledge of the diverse segments differences to identify which ones will actually make an impact on response and sales. Mm -hmm.
0: I know you guys do first party research as well. So I'd like to know if you could share a little bit more about what that entails or any interesting facts or figures that our our listeners might perk their ears up at.
2: We have what's called the transculturation model, which I trademarked about 25 years ago. And what that model guides clients is to integrate cultural fluency profitably and seamlessly across the marketing five Ps. And we apply a strategic filter that is based on an, a lot of different variables and algorithm based on a lot of different research mm-hmm. identify both the commonalities and the unique ethnic needs across strategy disciplines and departments. And I think that that's really important because there are points of convergence and then there are points of divergence where you really need to do something different. We also focus on on results. Our clients, we look at their sales on a daily basis. Uh, we are responsible for showing value for showing that we're moving the needle. So everything we do is about uh, ROI powered ideas. That means return on investment, right? And Mm -hmm. accountability, but it, it also means relationship opportunities through insights. Cultural authenticity is a subtle, very nuanced art. You know meaningful, effective work and initiatives has to be within the content context and experiences of the different ethnic segments. I told you there's a lot of intersections right right you know everybody loves everybody has has passion, everybody has parental concern. How we view that it differs depending on the lens the cultural lens in which we view the world. Hispanics, everybody knows they're collective, right? So you can take that. I see such a superficial understanding of that where, okay, let's do a commercial with a group dinner and with grandma in tow. And therefore, we're addressing the Hispanic community. No, collectivity means that that is the lens with which. Hispanics in general make their purchase decisions the way they shop, the way they evaluate brands. It has such repercussions about what's important in the hierarchy of attributes and considerations for a brand that goes so much deeper.
0: Very interesting and great point. I do actually want to talk about the census. So the 2020 census results showed that the country, not surprisingly, it's more multicultural than ever, but they also just released their undercount and overcount report, which shows that 14 states were estimated to have either had an undercount or overcount of persons, and multicultural audiences, specifically Hispanic audiences, were often those that fell in the undercounted bucket. Is that revelation significant to you and your clients in any way? And why or why not?
2: Okay, that's a good question. So yes, and there's many reasons for the undercounting. COVID impacted their Mm -hmm. ability to do their household on the ground checks, and, and therefore they were undercounted. I think that two key things for the believers they realize that the multicultural census numbers are undercounted. And in reality, uh, so they look at it as the lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. which is, is still a strong story because multiculturals and Hispanics grew in almost every single county in this right. country. Yep. For non-believers, what I believe is the most jarring statistic, even with the un- undercounting that will prompt the C-suite in Fortune 500 companies to change their perspective is that multiculturals drove 100% of the US population growth with an actual decrease in the absolute non-Hispanic white population. And that to me is the story. Yes. And, yes. and I'm glad that the census put that out, by the way. Right. So before I officially let you go, let me give you a chance
0: to brag about the cool stuff that you're doing at Infusion. And uh, please let our audience know where they can go to connect with you and the agency.
2: Oh, well, thanks. Um, (laughs) We're doing, we do brand, we do direct, we do a lot of digital. Uh, We also do a lot of direct mail. So we do the nuts and bolts. The key Mm -hmm. is to have a 360 comprehensive Approach, and we do that with the clients. We've also been doing a lot of metaverse engagement. Uh, we did. We've done live streams during for concerts. So we're doing. We're constantly innovating, trying to stay ahead of the curve. And we help clients again from A to Z to understand to uh, have the right paradigm to be able to have sustainable growth in this new, what I call the new era of cultural economics that we have, that we live in.
0: Yeah, Yeah. very cool. And we'll go ahead and make sure we link back to your website in the description box so our listeners can grab that easily. But Liz, thank you again. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Okay. Talk
2: soon. All Hope you guys enjoyed it.
0: So that's all the time we have today. I do want to again, thank Liz and Ron for joining me and thank those of you listening at home or on the go. If you've not already, please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice. Our favorite being Spotify, of course, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. And with that, we'll see you next time for a brand new episode. Bye now.